severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello and welcome to Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. I am of course your host, Jamie McKinley, and I hope wherever you're listening in the world that you're having a brilliant week. And if you're not having a brilliant week, I hope listening to this podcast gives you a much needed hour of escapism and particularly those who are listening that are in the creative industries, which I imagine is the majority of our listeners is obviously this podcast is sort of particularly aimed at that demographic. I hope you're able to take at least one thing away from listening to this podcast and apply it positively to to sort of your own life and your own art because that sort of was the aim of this when we set it up and uh, you know that's what we all strive to do so thank you to everyone who's been listening if you're a new listener as well welcome to the podcast thank you so much for tuning in i hope you enjoy today's episode and speaking of today's episode we have another brilliant conversation in store for you and this week we are joined by the very very talented jd stewart and jd is a playwright who spoke to us about lots of lots of interesting things, including his writing process, how he deals with rejection, his advice to fellow writers. And he also spoke to us about his new play, Daniel Getting Married. And that's actually out next week. And that's going to be on at the Oranmore in Glasgow and the Traverse Theatre in Edinburgh as part of a play, A Pie and a Pint Strand as well. We're going to put links to that. There's links to that in the show notes. So please consider going along and seeing that. I've got tickets to go on the Wednesday next week in Glasgow. I'm very, very excited to see it. JD speaks more about that in this week's episode, of course. But the local theatre scene has had a hellish cup years of covid and stuff so it's always great to go out and support that by going to see shows and stuff if you can afford it we very much appreciate that this is a very difficult time and just before we go into this week's episode as well just a few housekeeping rules as our regular guests will know but we're of course an independent podcast so if you're enjoying this podcast please consider sharing us on social media telling friends and family to listen word of mouth is how we find new listeners also just little things like leaving us a positive review on places like apple podcasts or considering donating to our patreon as well all the money we make from that just goes back into the upkeep of this podcast and we appreciate all the support we get whether that just be somebody messages us and messaging us on instagram to say that they enjoyed an episode or sharing it on twitter or just you know telling their friends listen all of that stuff is just so so vital in helping us find new listeners and we're very grateful to all the support we get i also just wanted to quickly plug i've just remembered as well actually i mentioned this in last week's intro but um i was actually on another podcast last week and this podcast is called talk about and it's a film-based podcast and i went on there to talk about sort of sequels and this podcast and a few other things I had a great laugh on it it's a really really interesting episode it's a really good podcast the people that run it are lovely massive shout out to Ellis and I think his name's Gwilith I probably said his name wrong very sorry if I did as I told him when I was on the podcast I am terrible at names and I'm terrible at pronouncing the names wrong but yeah there's a link to that in the show notes as well so if you want to hear more of me if you haven't had enough of me from this intro alone consider clicking on the link to that anyway I think that's everything for this week um, I hope you enjoy episode 72 with playwright J.D. Stewart. Hi J.D., how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for uh, giving up your Wednesday evening. I feel like I'm perpetually recording this podcast in the evenings now and I'm very grateful to everyone giving up their time like the chat to me. It's, it's glass. No, it's fine. All I do is read a book, so it's absolutely fine. 
Yeah. What are you been reading at the moment? I see that on your Instagram a lot. You're always like reading various books quite a lot. You, you get through them, like. Yeah, I read a lot of LGBTQYA fiction because it didn't exist when I was but a young thing. So <laughs> I like to read it because I'm like, wow, kids are so lucky that they get this. And I never yeah. got it. So I like to keep afloat of all that and like other queer fiction as well. But then I also I'm like, I'm the easiest sell on a book. You know, if someone's like, it was good. And I'm it's like, it's already bought in my mind. And then they're like, the second half wasn't good. And I'm like, it's too late. It's too late. Now. <laughs> so. I love that. Well, you are a playwright. Well, you're a writer in general, because I know we'd written other things as well. But like, how long have you been writing plays for? So well, it's a long time, right? Yes, I started when I wrote my first play when I lived in South Korea, and that would have been 2012. Wow. So I wrote a 10 minute play. I was like drunkenly coaxed into doing a 24 hour <laughs> theater thing. And I was drunkenly coaxed into doing it and then did it sober because I was like, I'm not I'm not going to do this like and go home and, and write this all night. So um, I just kind of sat in my apartment and waited for them to text me and tell me what things I had to write about. And as soon as they did, I started to write this 10 minute play. And then that went on in Korea and that was great. And then it was good fun. And then the guy who ended up running the theater troupe, Brandy, he asked me and another guy named Brian, he wanted to create a show about the people that lived in the city we lived in, in Daegu. So we asked people to submit stories about their relationships or love or like anonymously. And we kind of built a narrative around that so it was very much a play like written by us about us and expats and all that kind of stuff so me and this guy brian wrote this play together which was a success you know because um people wanted to see theater which was nice and then it was randy who like encouraged me to apply to nyu to do writing so i went on holiday to bali friends which sounds really extravagant but when you live in korea like it's not <laughs> that far away so like it's yeah, like yeah. it's all relative it's like going to spain you know okay. so like yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. like bali is like New Zealand's Ibiza so like that's sort of what it is but um but yeah so I went to Bali with friends and I had a notepad and I wrote a play in a notepad and I typed it up and I sent it off to NYU and I applied to Juilliard as well and I got into NYU yeah well we'll, we'll sort of come back on to I want to ask you more about living in South Korea definitely and I want to ask you more about obviously NYU and stuff but to circle back even further because obviously and it's interesting being right in place for 10 years but to, to kind of cast your mind back even further do you remember what your sort of earliest creative memory was so do you remember as like a even younger than that were you ever writing did you ever were you ever interested in theater or anything like that was how did that sort of I mean start? not so much writing I mean like I was always interested in theater my mom and dad really enjoy theater and I was very lucky like I grew up in a tiny village in the Scottish borders mm. like 600 people and my mom is very active in the community and she would always run bus trips up to Edinburgh to see like the shows that were on so like we'd go along as kids you know and see like the Phantom of the Opera and that's one I remember a lot and yeah and like other things that were on so like I was lucky in that I had access to the theatre from a very young age and I was in like local productions with the Scottish Community Drama Association like the SCDA and and for a long time I wanted to be an actor I wanted to be a singer and I had some like some minor singing success you know like very minor when I was like young and yeah and I wanted to be an actor and a singer and and then I was in high school and I got bullied for the singing and the acting so I kind of like stopped doing that because I like if you draw attention to yourself right like mm. you just don't 
like you're you're asking for it essentially so I kind of stopped doing it and I I remember calling a university and acting school in Edinburgh and sort of asking them well I went to sorry I went to Edinburgh acting school like after school so my parents like would drive me up to Edinburgh again very very lucky to do that on a Tuesday and or a Monday and a Wednesday so like and I was in shows with Edinburgh acting school in the fringe at age 9 10 11 you know so like for, again from a young age performing and then I sort of stopped in high school and then I remember I called up like one of the colleges in Edinburgh and talked to the the woman about acting and she was sort of like you have to say you want to act every day and it's the only thing you want to do and I was like I don't want to do that and she was like then don't be an actor you know and I was like okay cool so I left school at fifth year, like not really being that creative, you know, and I went to Sterling Uni early and did English at Sterling Uni. And I was involved with the theatre troupe there and it was a great, fun group of people. And then it wasn't until fourth year that I like wrote again. So like I did a creative writing dissertation, mainly because I was lazy and I didn't want to do any research. <laughs> so I was like, I can write a story and that'll be enough. So yeah, so I did that. And yeah, and that was sort of like my creativeness. And then I kind of worked in various jobs and sort of did things that weren't really creative at all, you know, but I always kind of yearned to do it or do something. And I think like, yeah, I mean, it was really bad, actually. Like, I mean, this is a terrible story to share and I wouldn't recommend anyone does this, <laughs> but like um, the, what was it called? The Red Planet Prize. Do you know that one? I, I don't know a lot about it. It sounds familiar though, yeah. Yeah, they sort of do it. And like, anyway, this was before I moved to Korea and they were like, send us 10 pages of a TV script, you know, and like whatever. And I was like, oh, I can write a TV script. I could do that, you know, like, why not? So I just wrote <laughs> 10 pages of a TV script, sent it off and didn't think anything of it. And then months later, I got a thing saying that I'd been long listed and they wanted to read the full script. And I was like, but I don't have a full script, you know? <laughs> so, like, so then I like scrambled to write like a full TV podcast pilot which is not knowing easy. what I was doing not, not yeah which is no no idea and obviously didn't get through but that was kind of like my oh maybe writing is what I'm meant to do you know maybe yeah. that's the thing and that was the first um, time you'd ever really really thought like okay I could actually do this thing as a serious career yeah 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 I'm in sort of the acting yeah. and stuff just to sort of quickly ask about that like did you enjoy doing it at the time or did you never really feel like it was what you wanted to do did it, did it almost feel like the only thing you knew that was creative or was it sort of like you'd enjoyed it but it didn't give you the same fulfillment that maybe writing and stuff does now yeah I mean I I don't know I did enjoy it and I do still perform there are times when I like I, yeah. I wrote and produced and performed my own show a one-man show so like I do still perform I performed in Korea as well and there's times when I have like that it's like an itch I guess that needs to be scratched you know it's mm -hmm. like okay I feel like I need to do this now you know yeah but it's not something and I I think doing it like later on and seeing like how much like what people do and like all the training that goes into it I was always sort of like I'd finish a show and I'd say to my acting friends who came along like I don't know how you do this you know <laughs> like it's ex I'm exhausted and I only have to do four of these like I don't understand how people do it every day like and it's incredible that people have that to be able to do it every day but yeah after three, four, I was like, nah, I'm done for two years. I need a break now. Yeah. So, so it was like every bit of yeah. energy you had to it is like zonked after four for two years. Yeah. yeah. 
that's fair that's very fair and you sort of touched on it there as well like that you know growing up in the borders and stuff in a small village and things how did where you're from how does that sort of influence you as a creative person did you think that is always present in your writing and stuff I think in certain things yes I mean I think like everything affects your writing to an extent you know like who Mm. you are and where you're from and I think when I write like film stuff any film I've written has been set in Scotland yeah Um, and it's usually someone from a small village or it's about something like that you know like I like small fish big pond you know like that kind of thing like I find it really interesting and yeah and I think I I I think it does because a lot of my stuff as well is about returning home you know Mm. or yeah coming back to a place that you grew up in that has changed you know so like there's a lot thematically of stuff that's in there and obviously like I think people from like these small towns are fascinating and they're so fun and interesting you know and unique like you can't help but like think of them when you're like creating a character or like you know there's certain people that have like specific ways and speech patterns that are really interesting and it's like okay I'll, I'll use that or I'll draw from that in what I'm doing yeah what was the village called that you're from um, it's called Kirk Yetum. Oh, cool. I, I've not heard of it, even though I'm obviously Scottish too. No, I just wondered. I thought, has he not named it for a reason? Is this like, you know, no, I, I was just interested. No, it's just in case people go and stalk my family. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. no, yeah, it's very close to the English border. Um, it's the end of the Pennine Way, oh, you cool. know, so there's a lot of walkers. St. Cuthbert's Way also goes through there. So, yeah, so yeah. it's a, a walking, a walking village Mm. and and I imagine that sort of thing you're talking about about coming home and things like that must be even more prevalent for someone like yourself who's obviously lived in Korea and America for and other parts of Scotland a lot like I imagine that must have happened a few times that you've come home from being very far away yeah and it's um it's it's strange because the place doesn't change but the people are older you know Mm. and like I think that's something as I got older I really realized and was like wow like people really are different you know, like they they may change some of the textures of the towns and the villages and like what they look like, but like some people haven't changed at all, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like mentality hasn't changed, but you know, eventually, sure. No, it's interesting, yeah. Before I go on to sort of ask you about like the places that you've lived and stuff, another question we always ask is like, if you have a favorite word or phrase from where you're from. So do you have a favorite word or phrase from that, from like growing up in a village like that? Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel like I brushed over this question when you sent it to me because I was like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I like read it and was like, oh. I mean, it um, could just be from Scotland, to be fair. It doesn't have to specifically be from the exact part of Scotland you're from. I think one thing that like, as I get older, and my mum says, like my granny always used to say, what's for you won't go past you. And I yeah. think that is, that's something that I'm... Um, yeah, we've had that one a few times. It's a great saying. I, there's weird because there's different ways of saying it. People, It sort of all means the same thing. Some people have said past you. Some, some people have said what's for you won't go by you and some people have yeah. said i can't remember the other version of it but they, they all basically mean the same thing and it seems to be a very scottish phrase and I, I love it i think it's brilliant yeah yeah i would say that or like i can't remember just stupid things when we were young which i can't remember what <laughs> any of them are now i'm sure if my sister was here she'd like reel them all off but like i can't <laughs> i can't remember any of them i'll think on it and maybe one will come back to oh no i mean it's still a very good answer so you're all good but I'd sort of wanted to ask you now, as I've been alluding to for five minutes, but like, how did sort of going to South Korea all come about? Um, that sounds very interesting. Like, how old were you when you sort of went and what was the sort of reasons for going? Well, after I graduated, I worked for a company, an outdoor activity company named Kingswood. And they're a bit like PGL. Maybe people went to that when they were younger. So basically, like, it's you'd go and you do climbing and abseiling and, and you do other stuff as well while you were there. And 
I got a job working in the Peak District there as a kitchen staff member. So I was just cleaning pots. And then I got like a promotion to customer service in Burmer, Wolverhampton. So I moved to Wolverhampton. Then I left. Then I got a call to go back and work on the Isle of Wight. So I worked on the Isle of Wight for two years. And then my friend Marnie from high school had been traveling around and had sort of landed in South Korea. And I wanted to travel, but I didn't want to be a backpack wanker. Like it was just sort of something like I wasn't interested in like staying in shitty places, you know, and kind of like walking around with a guitar on my back and singing songs, you know, like that's what I imagined backpacking to be. Um, and she was like, well, you should come to Korea because like you could just like do English. You just you need a degree and, and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, OK, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. So I applied for a job, got a job and left Isle of Wight. And yeah, it's like my 10 year, 10, it was 10 years ago that I moved to Korea. So this year. And yeah, so wow. I just went and I remember, I remember like going and packing and, and my mom sort of saying like the way it works is you sign for a year, right? And they pay for your flight out there and you get accommodation provided and et cetera. And like, if you work less than six months, you had to pay your flight home. But if you worked over six months, like you didn't have to pay that back. And I remember my mom saying like, it, in six months, it'll be your birthday. And if you don't like it, you can come home, you know, like just give it six months and see what happens. And obviously I knew Marnie would be there. And, and so I went and I was staying like in this city called Daegu. And my first year I was way out in the boonies, like the last stop mm. on the subway line, you know, like I was far out. Um, and Daegu's not big, but like it took a good 40 minutes to get into town, you know. Um, in the city centre. And yeah, I think like I met Marnie, I met all Marnie's friends and they were all really welcoming. And then like three weeks later or four weeks later, it was St. Patrick's Day and we all went up to Seoul. And yeah, and like, I was like, I love it here. It's great. And how, how long were you um, there for? Three and a half years. Wow. So you spent like a good, good bit of time there. That's class. Yeah. Yeah. And that is yeah. where the sort of fears that first started, obviously, as you said at the start as well. So that's, yeah. that's class. And sort of, and so you went from sort of being in South Korea and that's when you decided to go to New York, isn't it? From the fear stuff, right? Is that basically how that all happened? Yeah. I mean, like I, I'd been to New York with my mom at Christmas and like in between contracts, so 2012, 2013, I got a job with a different company mm. and I had like, I finished up in February and I was meant to be back in April. And like, I was home for like a month and a half, say, and like, it was around that time and that, that Randy had been encouraging me to apply to NYU. And he was like, why don't you go and visit when you, when you go to New York? So me and my mom had decided in that time to go to New York yeah. for a week. Again, wouldn't recommend like flying back from Korea <laughs> for going to New York. Like time zones are a mess. So like, I just didn't know where I was. So yeah, so I went on like a tour of NYU, like in 2013. And like, I remember getting in the elevator and going up to the seventh floor, which is the dramatic writing floor and just being like, this is where I'm meant to be. Mm. Like, and I felt like that, like, I will be here and I don't know how, but this is, this is where I'm meant to be. And yeah, so then it was, then it was a case of like, like we went to Bali and the play and writing and submitting and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that was sort of how it it all shook down and just to and obviously i spoke to you about this before we started recording this but obviously you also know a previous guest of this podcast rachel main who was on episode 26 a fellow pfeiffer as well and yeah you met her in new york didn't you is that where you first met each other or did you know each other before that no that's where we first met so she i graduated and they did a thing because i guess like i was kind of not savvy is the wrong word but like because i was a foreign a foreign exchange student if you like and had mm. sort of come over like the the guy in charge of admissions had messaged me. He messaged me a couple of times when people from the UK applied. Yeah. And would ask me to speak to them. 
and yeah and she got in and and he asked me to speak to her and I did and at the time it was like kind of late on in the year and like and and I was like do you have a place to stay and she was like no and I was like well like there's a room opening up in my apartment if you want somewhere it's really difficult to find somewhere to stay and it is you know because like a lot of the things you need to sublet right you can't just like get a lease Mm. unless you're absolutely loaded and can buy an apartment but yeah so you had to sublet so it was a case of like she was like yeah she needed the room so then yeah she moved into the spare room and the other room in the apartment amazing and you you said you lived together for like three years as well so that's yeah two and a half three years yeah 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 Yeah, we had some great times some ups and downs some wild some wild rides me and rachel (laughs) main but no she's brilliant she's hilarious (laughs) and she kept me going she's a great support network and a very wonderful writer yeah and you're both still writing as well which is amazing so yeah no, that's yeah. great. But obviously, I mean, you were obviously people who lived so many places. So it's like when we sort of do the people's life stories in this podcast, sometimes it's a bit of a zigzag. So I'm trying to stay on track. Um, no, it's okay. <laughs> but obviously, you're in the States and you had like graduated and stuff. So what, what happened after that? Did you come back to Scotland then as well to like pursue playwriting or? Did you sort of put on some plays in New York and things first? Well, I stayed. I So when you graduate, you get OPT, which is like optional practical training. So like I stayed on for a year and then I applied for the like the O1 alien visa, which is three years, which I got, which is kind of wild, but I got it because it's really hard to get and sort of in that time I applied for everything you know like so I graduated 2017 Rachel arrived 2017 the following year 2018 yeah I applied for like everything like everything and I set myself a goal at the top of the year and I was like I'm going to apply for a hundred things that's what I'm going to do and I did and in that time I worked and I I, I wrote a one-man show and I performed that a couple of different festivals along with sort of like continuing to write and and that kind of thing and applying and applying and applying and yeah so that's kind of what I did and what what, what was the sort of one-man show about and how did that go down it was called gay boy and it was about when I lived in Korea so like and and when I started at NYU a couple of people said I should write about Korea but I didn't feel ready to I felt like I still it still felt very fresh you know so um I had left it for a while and then I kind of allowed it to to process and then I felt ready to write about it and I still remember writing it it was like a giant snowy January and it was like a snow weekend in New York and I just sat and and wrote like gay boy and that was it yeah but yeah and it's like I my friend Leila we've talked about it a couple of times and applied to some different things and not got it but like I'd love to do it over here you know but I'm also like I don't know if I could do a full fringe you know I'm too old <laughs> do four days and then sleep for two I know. <laughs> I know. I'm just too old Jamie I'm too old for that but yeah I mean I'd quite like to do it it's also strange because the more times I performed it and over the over the time that I performed it like it became very like I don't know who this is anymore like initially it was like oh this is a great sort of thing you know like and I'm able to sort of go through this and then as time passed, I was like, this isn't really me. And I find it really hard to connect with this person now, you know, mm. which is interesting. And it's like, maybe someone else should do it now. And it shouldn't be me, you know. But yeah, it, was, it wasn't all fiction. It wasn't all fact. It was fiction and, you know, all kind of mixed into one. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so when did you return to Scotland from New York then? How did that sort of come about? It was like the end of end of 2018 but because I had my visa and I had friends over there I would like kind of like and I wasn't doing anything I like would just go and stay and I had some money so I just kind of like hung out a little bit but yeah I I, that was yeah I applied for a hundred things and I got one that's still something 
Yeah. And the one that I got was I was a finalist for the Theatre Uncut Playwriting Prize. And it was like in that, and I got, I was like, I was home by then and it was Christmas. And it was at then that I was like, yeah, I'm going to stay here, you know, like, and I applied, that was when I decided I would apply to do the playwriting at Edinburgh Uni. Mm, yeah. yeah. So did you feel um, quite demoralized by the fact that you'd only got one thing out of the hundred things or were you okay with that? Did you, because obviously re- being a writer or an actor or anything like that, rejection's never easy. So we, how do you find rejection? Is that something you're quite good at dealing with now? I think now I am, mm. depending on what it is. Yeah. I think now I am better, but at the time it was quite demoralizing. And I think it's because like you're away from home, you're like struggling to live in Trump's America, you don't have health insurance. You know, there's like a lot of things going on mm. that you're dealing with. So then there's that on top of it, you know? And and I think like like someone said to me midway through that year, like every no you get is creating space for a yes. Yeah. Mm. And I, and, and I really started to see that, you know, like, and I was like, this makes sense and this is good. But yeah, I think it, it is up and down, but now I feel like overall I deal with it pretty well and I'm like, okay, cool. You know, but I also have like coping ways to cope. now, And I think like, like that would be one of the things I would say is like, like for me, if I get rejected, I save five pounds in a Monzo pot. <laughs> and like I know <laughs> it I love sounds that. so trivial but like it's like if I get rejected I'm like yeah I can save some money you know like so like that's my like and I no longer just like I get upset by rejection because I'm like well I've got five pounds in my monzo pot you know so that's cool <laughs> um oh. like last year I think I had 140 pounds and I was like this is great you know like <laughs> Um, oh man, that's great. It's not great that like, you're being think, rejected, but you know what I mean? I love the positive spirit that you put on that. That's class. Yeah, and I think that's 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 like one of my bits of advice, you know, is like find something that like can, because rejection sucks and it's shit, you know, but like find something that will bring you a little bit of joy, whether that's saving some money or buying something that you want, having an ice cream, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, something. That's actually, like, yeah, no, that, this is quite weird that you're sort of, the way you'd sort of spun this is quite similar to some of the best advice we'd actually ever had in this podcast, which was on episode 51. And James Capel, who runs Scribe Lounge, passed it on from somebody from the Scribe Lounge that they basically said they try and collect 100 rejections a year. Like they actually look to get 100 rejections a year because obviously if you're going to get 100 rejections, as you said as well, you're going to get at least one acceptance or one thing's going to come off. So I love the sort of positive positivity of that. I think it's brilliant. Yeah. And I think it's more just like, I think the taking it personally thing is is difficult, you know, for anyone. And I think that depends on levels of how far you get, you know, yeah. like in something. And like when it becomes that little bit closer, you know, and like maybe you didn't really care in the beginning, but then like, oh, that's like a possibility now. You know, it wasn't a possibility before. Like last year, I submitted a play to the Platform Play Prize and I kind of forgot about it. And then they announced them on Instagram and they only announced the names of the plays, like the top 10 finalists. And I was reading it and I was like, this must be my play, right? Surely there's no other play with this title. And it was my play. And I was like, this is amazing. Like what? Like, and I was just more like, I was like, this is like so surprising. And I didn't win, but I was like, I don't care. You know, like I got that far. Like, that's great. That's exciting. You know, and I think it's like people are reading your work at that level, you know, and they're engaging with what you have to say. And I think that that's, that's great, you know? And if yeah. if it wasn't that thing that you submitted that time, then maybe it'll be the next thing, you know? Yeah, that's, no, the- that's it. You know, you like, it's, it's hard. And I mean, I only write about like gay people and gay stories. So like, I, I don't write 
and I mean, genre wise, I write any genre, but like I, they're always queer narratives. So like, I feel there's already a barrier there. Do you know what I mean? There's like an additional one to get past. Mm. So, but th- this was such something I was going to ask you later, but it feels like a great time to ask you now. But do you think that that's getting better in your experience? You still think there's a, I know there's definitely still a barrier there, but do you find, have you found in the last maybe five or 10 years that that barrier is starting to maybe lower a little bit and things are getting easier? Or do you still think that it's, there's a long way to go? Hmm. And I know that's, that's a hard really... question. Yeah, I'm not trying to put yeah. you on the spot here. I'm just, I'm just very curious and I think it's an important discussion to have. Yeah, well, I mean, you've got to look at it like this. Yeah. So, and I mean, I know like the National Theatre is not representative of everyone, but I think like if you're looking at like a sort of litmus test like of that, then no, I don't think it is, you know, um, in terms of like other theatres that aren't main theatres, then yeah, I think they're doing the work, you know, and I think they're out there and they're finding those voices mm-hmm. and they're putting those voices on stage. But it's interesting because like, I think people sort of think like, oh, you get, you've got one, you know, that's good. Like, you know, that kind of mentality, but it's like one doesn't represent all. You yeah, know? It's not, it's and not it's like not just a, a box ticking exercise either, is it? It's not meant to just be like, oh, tick that off. Yeah. So I think it's like, like, just because it's a coming out story, for example, doesn't mean that like my story is the same as person A's story or person B's story you know like and it doesn't mean that they can't be told because they're similar you know because we see straight white people falling in love all the time you know in various different ways so it's like so why do we get a million of that but not a million of the other one but that's a very general way of thinking about it but yeah I mean I think um, and not necessarily helpful but I think I think it is getting better but it's still a slow mountain to climb you know We've got a long yeah. way to go and I think it'll be to the point where it's not like when we get to the point where it's not even a question like then it's fine but like it's because it is a question as you asked and it is an important thing to discuss like it's still clearly an issue you know so mm. and it's the same with any sort of any minority work you know black or Asian writers performers like anything it's like if we're still asking like about it like we've clearly not done as much as we think we have yeah well said. Thank you very much for sort of opening up and and talking about that as well. I much appreciate it. I know it is like, you know, I I did sort of put you on the spot there and I hadn't like sent you those questions or anything. I very much much appreciate it. As you say, it is a shame that we're still having to ask these questions, but I still think it's, as you said as well, it's important to mention it and talk about it and keep the conversation going because that's how you make change. But And it's difficult because you don't want to, you don't want to be that person that like, that comes across as being negative on like social media spaces or whatever you know and I yeah. think again it's like it's not it's it's not criticism it's just passing comment and I think like and that's where everything gets a little bit muddied and it's 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 good to have conversations as as, as you say because like do I throw away comment on Twitter that gets a thousand million likes about the state of like queer theatre in the UK isn't necessarily helpful if it's not engaging with the right people and not having those conversations yeah you know not 100% and I think like sometimes like nuance is not a available in 260 characters no it really isn't that's why you know the twitter algorithm is horrible and it encourages that (laughs) terrible discourse like that's why i think podcasting is such an amazing medium because it's two people having a genuine conversation for an hour and it allows you to unpack various subjects and and talk honestly and share knowledge and ideas and i think it's an amazing medium and i I feel so privileged to have this tiny little platform just get a real job i I know it's not massive but you know just to even get to do this is is an immense privilege so i think yeah if i can use it to talk about anything like this i think that's that's just class no it's great and um, we should be having these conversations for no, sure 100 percent, yeah
Hello, it's Jamie here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful, not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcasts, please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it, it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash justgetarealjob, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. But of course, JD, I can't have you here and not talk about your play, which is coming out in like three weeks' time. So I know we need to it's talk crazy. about Daniel getting married, which is which is out on the twenty eighth, and you're doing a little run at the tra- uh, the Traverse in Edinburgh and at the Oranmore in Glasgow as part of the play a pine a pint. So tell us about this. Tell us about this play. Yeah, so I wrote a draft of Daniel getting married last year, last January, I think. And when I finished up my Edinburgh playwriting with Nicola McCartney, it was during the pandemic and um, we would normally have done a sharing at the Fringe, but that didn't happen and we did it online. So I, I was very lucky in that I did a workshop day with Jemima Levick, who now runs Play Pine Pine. And she was wonderful and we had a great day on Zoom. And then obviously she got this, this position and like we became friends and like would message each other and chat and that kind of thing. And I would just sort of send her the odd message being like, what about this or what about this, you know? and she'd be sort of like maybe you know like what I heard you're not not maybe like that but like think about that or etc and then it wasn't until like maybe June July last year that I just messaged her and I was like what about a guy who's about to get married and his ex shows up 50 minutes before the wedding and she was like oh that sounds great so I kind of like refinessed the draft I had which was very different and sent it over and then she very kindly gave me a whole bunch of notes which were great And then I just did a whole like rewrite, like an overhaul of the whole thing and switched out or changed the female character that was there, I should say, from his friend to his mother. And yeah, and then the play just kind of took shape from there. And I mean, it's, 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 it's such an exciting thing writing for Play a Pine a Pint because it is so like, and I'd never seen one before. So I saw, I went to see one last year at the end of the year. And yeah, it's like very like, it's like a bullet train, you know, like you just kind of got to get to it and go nuts um, <laughs> and not, not nuts but you know it's got to speed forward as, as quickly as it can so it's like uh yeah it was it's it's a different way of writing plays I think but a good and exciting kind of way you know yeah so yeah so that's what it is it's set in in good old Kirk Yetum church and yeah this guy Daniel's with his mom Joy getting ready to marry his future husband Zach when there's a knock at the door and in walks his ex Gabriel to sort of be like why are you getting married marriage is stupid <laughs> yeah and it's about two men who i get like more than anything just like mr mr shot with each other you know mm. and we're just kind of on different journeys and different paths and and like 
could potentially come back to each other or could not. You know? No, it sounds really good. And as I was saying to you before we started as well, I'm hoping to come and see this one because every time I've had a player on this podcast in the last three or four months, they always, they're always been in London or Manchester or something. I can never actually go and see their work when it's on. So I have no excuse. You're, it's, just, it's on just up the road for me. So I will definitely come and see that. And where can people, when can people get tickets and all that? We'll be linking this in the show notes. How can people go and do that? You can get tickets for Glasgow at playpiepint.com. And Edinburgh is like almost sold out. Yeah, I better be quick. (laughs) We'll obviously link this in the show notes. And the Glasgow run starts on the 28th of March, I think. And then the Edinburgh ones, is that the the 2nd of April? Is that correct? The 5th of April. 5th of April. So close. I got the first date right and I mucked up the second one, but there you go. No, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, it's a rom-com. It's a a romantic comedy, you know, like, yeah, it's Hmm. filled with love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it sounds yeah. great. I, I look forward to it. But also, JD, I have some quick fire questions for you. And I don't mean to alarm you by saying that because some guests go, oh, no, oh, no. But I mean, we're speaking about rom-coms there. And, and you were talking about how you really like sort of reading sort of romantic books and stuff as well about like, you know, like romantic queer books and things like that. But the first question I have for you is, what do you have a favorite rom-com film? Do you have a favorite? Is there a rom-com that you love? A rom-com I love. Clueless. It's a very good one. Yeah, that's a very good answer. And the next, my next question for you is, and this is a tough one, but if you could have written any play that exists, like a, a play that you love, if you could have written it, what would it be? You could have been the one to have, have come up with that play. Ghosts by Ibsen. Nice, nice. I like how, <laughs> see, you're the only guest that's actually taken this quick fire thing seriously because most of my guests, and I don't mind, but they always go this and this and this, and they list off like seven answers. You, I like how seriously you're taking this. You're thinking about it, you're just saying one answer straight to the point. Good stuff. <laughs> what what's your favorite venue that you'd ever had the chance to see a play in um st anne's warehouse in brooklyn amazing and similarly what's the best venue you'd ever got to put a play on in um i i really liked where they did baggage claim the one we had in korea it was this really nice little black box theater and it was just really it was really cool mm. i liked it a lot very yeah. very tough question for you because i know you'd lived in a few places but what what's your favorite place that you'd ever had the chance to live in oh i don't know I'm very nostalgic for Korea at this moment in time. So I would say Korea. I think there's Mm. so much Korean media at the moment that it's like kind of crazy, but like, but yeah, I watch a lot of it because I miss it. (laughs) So Mm. yeah, I'd say Korea. Well, well, you just give them a, I hadn't prepared this question, but this is me making up in the cuff, but do you have like a favorite Korean program or movie? Oh, my favorite Korean movie. I mean, it would have, I'd have to say, Old Boy or Parasite. Parasite like, is amazing. Two, I yeah. have been saying to people, I will watch. So I have been meaning to see Old Boy for seven years. That's actually ridiculous, isn't it? I'm going to have to just get it watched now. I need to just but watch it. I also it. think another great Korean movie is Burning. Very, very, very good Korean movie. There's very so good. many good films that come out of that country. It's actually, I think, and Netflix have just invested in a studio there as well, which is amazing. Yeah, no, it's great. And that We're All Dead or whatever it's called. We're all dead mm. already. What's it? The zombie high school? I've heard of show? it. Yeah. I've, yeah. One of my friends really, really likes that show and I've heard good things. Yeah. It's intense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. And the last sort of the quickfire ones is like, who are your biggest influences as a playwright? Oh my gosh. I mean, Mark Ravenhill is a big influence and a, a big sort of person that I would look to. Tony Kushner, you know, is great. I really love some like newer playwrights. I think Jackie Sibyl's Drury is incredible. I think Susan Laurie Parks is brilliant. I think Will Arbery is really good. Um, Sam D. Hunter is great. Yeah, so many, so many. All these, you can see the top three shelves are all plays. <laughs> 
Yeah, very, so. very full bookshelf. Always love to see it. That's bookshelf one of three. There's two more <laughs> over here. So, yeah. <laughs> love it. I've got three more questions for you and I'll start to wrap things up because I know we've nearly been speaking for an hour. And as I said, very much appreciate your time. The first, well, actually four questions. I'm wrong. Four questions. So the first of them is, um, obviously, failure is sort of seen in society as a bad thing, but I think it's a very useful thing. So often we like to ask our guests, like, what your sort of biggest creative failure or just failure in general has been and, and what did you learn from that failure my biggest creative failure i would probably be the don't submit something that you haven't finished it's <laughs> a good like, one um, the that with the red planet thing yeah i think it was just sort of like that felt like a failure because i mean they clearly enjoyed those 10 pages and i just had nothing else to go with i mean i didn't know what i was doing but like that's yeah another creative failure oh i feel like i have loads but don't apply for things that like aren't for you Mm. you know like I think like this is super cheesy and I'll say anyway but like just feel (laughs) the energy of it like and I think that's one thing that like I should have done like sooner is like you you like you read submissions and you're like I'll apply for everything but like I think it's okay to say no and be like I'm not going to do that if you've not got it don't submit it I think that's a great answer to that question so don't worry at all thank you for for that answer as well and sort of this next question is a sort of newer one we've been asking a lot recently and it is a difficult because it's very specific but like what would you sort of say the free essential and I can't say the word free I would say it like as in free instead of free it's a fa- I think it's oh a Rachel five. did the same thing it must be right. a f- I think it's a faith thing I was about to say I think it's very much a faith thing we cannot say our first or whatever but what do you say the free essential skills you need to be a playwright would be to anyone listening what are free skills you think you must have or that are really important to be a playwright patience openness and curiosity love it I love it great answer thank I you yeah just get a real job. And of course, the name of the podcast is Just Get a Real Job. We'd all had to work jobs we hated. We'd all had to work part-time jobs to support our art at some time in our life that we didn't like. What would you say the worst part-time job or worst, quote, real job you'd ever had to work is? I mean, I was a waiter when I was younger and I hated being a waiter in like a fancy hotel. Like, I didn't like that at all. I mean, like, I said this to a guy I work with now, today, like, if I don't like things, I don't do them. Mm. so like it's like I wouldn't stay in a job that I disliked now do you know what I mean or then even but like the waiter one was like you're young and you're just like I'll just take the job and whatever but like and like you get treated like shit you know it's like what's the point in it yeah the waiter one but all the other jobs I've had were fun to an extent Mm. what would you say the funnest part of job you've had is I was like a DJ and I'm using air quotes because (laughs) like I mean like I don't think I was a DJ but I was a DJ when I was an undergrad in Sterling Uni Mm. I mean I pressed play you know but like um, (laughs) still count right yeah I mean it was fun it was fun one night I got to do like the welcome back Saturday night party in the student union and that was like a big deal and I remember I was too drunk <laughs> and I fell over the headphone wire and there was just dead air for like 10 seconds because I couldn't find the button <laughs> so like yeah <laughs> did you manage right, to, it was really did fun. anyone see you fall or did you manage to pull it off I think someone did see me fall because then they came over and told me that I wasn't allowed to drink in the DJ booth. oh there you go I think you yeah. got caught that one busted busted <laughs> 
Yeah, but no waitressing or wait waitressing waitering I should say either. I mean, yeah, I either. yeah, either or yeah. with very common answers on this podcast. So I think there must be so. I've never done it because I'd be quite frankly fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> the clumsiest person in the world. But I can imagine that would not always be a fun job to do. So a very good answer to that question. We've only got one question to go. We're at the end nearly, oh. and you've given some great advice and insights throughout this episode. But the last question we'd like to ask is sort of just what your sort of closing advice would be to anyone that wants to work in the creative industries in general but maybe more specifically wants to be a playwright what would you say to them well I think in general and I say this a lot people and I wish someone had said this to me sooner is understand what success means to you Mm. and I think I say this because the creative industry is measured by Oscars and BAFTAs and Grammys and Brit Awards and things that like the public eye sees but it's not measured in like like job consistency or like or not job consistency but like being able to to have a job you know like and to and to be on tour with a company for 365 days a year you know like and that is success you know and i think understand as you enter this industry understand what success means to you because there will be a lot of people around you that will dictate what they think success is whether that be friends and family being like, have you won a BAFTA yet? Or have you won an Oscar yet? You know, when through whatever going on BBC. And these are all wonderful things, sure. But like, you may want to have your play produced at a local theatre, you know? And that's what you want. And that is success to you. And going to grad school is a success. Graduating is a success, you know? Having someone from a theatre read your play and give you feedback is a success. So yeah, I just think really, really have a, a deep understanding of what that is because the rest of it is noise that is a brilliant answer to that question we never had that answer before for this question and I think that's amazing that's a I've never thought about like that before but it's so true it's so true I think it's very important I think so many people get disappointed because as you say that success is you know influenced by people around them is something maybe that might be a bit harder to get and they think they're a failure when they're not they've done lots of amazing things but but something I've always said on this podcast as well I actually think success is just being happy I think if you're happy in what you're doing then that is success like do you know what I mean so mm-hmm. and success is different for everyone as well that's why it's so important as you say like define your own success because success to somebody else might not be being happy like that's what success is to me but it doesn't mean that that's what success is for you so I think that's a very very brilliantly put answer I mean like my one-man show like not many people came to see it you know and that's fine it's like it's difficult in these fringe venues in New York but like afterwards one guy came up and said that he really enjoyed it and it connected with it and that was enough you know I was like that's great like it doesn't need to be it doesn't need thousands of people you know like it's like but if you reach that one person you know that's a good thing like and that is a success and like even getting it there is a success and I think a lot of people forget those little things and in terms of like writing and playwriting I think just and everyone says like keep writing and I, I believe that I do obviously but like I don't write every day and I appreciate that people do but don't beat yourself up if you don't write every day because sometimes writing is living life you know And sometimes it's getting on the bus and it's watching people and it's going for coffee and it's going to the movies and it's going on a walk 
and it's working in a part-time job, you know, and sometimes writing is not always physically the act of writing, but writing is living. And I think that a lot of people forget that as well, you know, and I'll go on, I'll go on like long stretches where I don't really write. And then I'll just sort of write intensely for like a day, two days, three days, you know, and it's just how I work. But like, because when you're writing, you're always writing, you're writing in your head, you know, like, and I feel like that and like, the other piece of advice I would give to writers is, <laughs> sorry, I have loads, is um, when you're stuck with your play, pick up your phone. I'm going to pick up my phone. You're like, pick up your phone <laughs> and just like, don't even call anyone, but just like pretend to. So be like, hi, hi, Jamie, how are you? I just wanted to tell you about my play. And it's about um, this cushion called Sam and he loves this <laughs> other cushion. And like in doing that, you will figure out what the problem is with what you're doing and i oh, find that really helpful that's, yeah i do that all the time that's, so that's like brilliant. Um, yeah. that's absolutely brilliant and can i just say as well that your answer before that i do not believe anyone that says they write every day i'm sorry i don't believe in and i now work <laughs> with like as a script editor like pretty professional writers who are very successful at the top you know top of their field they do not write every day i can tell you that like no way they write every day they can say they do if they want I, i'm sorry they don't <laughs> just don't believe that and even if and, and everyone's different anyway it doesn't matter as you say it's all about what you prefer to do like there's not a rule in this industry at all you know we'd had like 70 odd guests on this podcast now not everyone had fought there's no rules everyone does what they need to do for them and yeah yeah and I think it's like the, the ability to do that is is a privilege that like we don't always have because we have other commitments you know and I think if you can write every day then that's wonderful and if you can make the time to write every day that's wonderful don't be hard on yourself because you can't do it you know like because mm. other things come up because life happens and it's all a part of making you who you are to be able to write what you will write when you write it yeah. so i think that's do that a hundred percent i think that's an excellent thing to end on jd thank you very very much for your time i've loved this conversation thank you for being very honest and and for telling you sort of your experiences in this industry i think it's very important to anyone listening that is also in the same position as you i think these conversations are really really helpful to people and i very much appreciate your time thank you no no problem and I think as well like just find people that like connect with what you're doing you know like get some cheerleaders and yeah. and that's really important as well yeah it makes a yeah. huge difference to what you're doing 100% if you have some cheerleaders it really does help but I'll let you go back to to some reading now I'll let you go on with your night <laughs> lol <laughs> <laughs> So you have it that was my conversation with jd stewart thank you again to him for his time much much appreciate it i hope you enjoyed what he had to say i really really enjoyed some of the great advice he gave as well as mentioned at the start of the podcast there's tickets to his new show daniel getting married in the show notes so there's still tickets left for that in the glasgow run at least so be sure to get on them if you haven't already and to anyone who's actually still listening to the podcast at this point who has already heard me say this twice already but just in case it wasn't enough for a third time, please consider, if you can, sharing us on social media, telling friends and family to listen, leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and if you even can afford to donate, we have a Patreon page as well. Anyway, I think that is everything for this week. We'll be back again next Tuesday with another episode of Just Get A Real Job. Just get a real job.